It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Twenty twenty one brought us morbid headlines. We started that year reeling from the high-profile death of flight attendant Christine Daseda, and we closed it out with the sudden death of painter Brihonson in La Union. Besides both being young women, what the two cases had in common was that their investigations could have gone much smoother. I'm Franco Luna Puma Podcast. In this episode, I'll take you behind the scenes of the oftentimes grisly world of forensics. In a hotel in Makati City, the night after a New Year's Eve party. Friends and hotel staff reportedly found the unconscious body of Christine De Sera in a hotel bathtub. They rushed her to a hospital where she passed away. She was only 23 years old. For the De Sera family, the loss was only the beginning of a long saga in their pursuit of justice. This was because Christine's body was embalmed before the medical legal exam took place. The post-mortem report filed by the medical legal officer claimed she had died of an aneurysm but made no mention of bruises found on her body. And to the family, there was a lot of potential evidence of sexual abuse that was lost. To this day, Brick Reyes, the lawyer of Christine Deceda's family, believes justice hasn't been served. Here's what he had to tell reporters at the press conference on January 5th, 2021. What kind of an autopsy is this? Why did you not specify the other injuries? So, if you look closely at the medical legal of Dr. Sarmiento, it is not complete as far as we are concerned. Uh, that's why uh, it's important that uh, we wait for the other medical legal reports so that we can exactly determine uh, what uh, was the findings. We disagree with the findings of Dr. Sarmiento of the SOCO. So, uh, we have conducted a separate uh, uh, autopsy and medical, uh, medical legal uh, examination. In response, the PNP simply pointed out that the autopsy results should have been confidential from the very beginning. They were on the defensive through and through, and there was never any acknowledgement that the system failed the victim's family that day. Months later, the Honson family said they were taken for a ride by authorities after painter Brihonson was also found dead at the hotel, this time in the surf town of La Union. From the beginning, Sally Honson, Bri's mother, said the investigation was marred by red tape. For instance, Bri's body was found on September 18th, but the actual autopsy only took place two days later. Here's what she had to say about it in an interview with Philstar.com. Ang hirap din kasi availability ng doctor. Tapos yun pa, nagpalit pa ng doctor. I don't know why. Kesyo may sakit daw yung doctor na, na dapat na gumawa nun. Tapos finally may doctor na. And then we have to wait kasi yung dapat may NBI din kasi. So yun, eh, manggagaling pa sa malayong lugar. So 
Di ba, pag autopsy, sinabi mo, dapat within 2 to 3 hours yan. <laughs> Alam mo yun? Or a day, 24 hours. Well, wala. Ganon talaga siguro eh. Wala. Bree's companion, Julian Ongpin, the last person to see her alive, is the son of tycoon and former trade secretary Roberto Ongpin. He was arrested after 12 grams of cocaine were found on him, but was later released and no longer tagged a person of interest. Let me bring in Police Colonel Francisco Supe Jr. He's a medical doctor who serves as Deputy Director for Operations of the PNP's Forensic Group. Here's what he had to say about the Honson and the Ser cases and how they played out. All I can tell you is we've observed the protocols and our procedures in handling all these cases. So actually, in the Deseric case, because it's just within the metropolis, it was easier for our field units to just collect evidence and then forward it to us. And then so we sifted through the evidence. We made sure that there's a bit of time that reports have to be done within the prescribed period. So the, the lesson learned that we have there is that so far, when our systems were challenged, were placed in a stress, like uh, in a controversial manner, that we just abide by our uh, forensic discipline, the science, observe the procedure, and with that, we cannot go anywhere wrong with what we're doing. The PNPFG is actually an offshoot of the old PNP crime lab. Francisco says the name change was meant to signify a more modern approach. There are 10 divisions under the PNP forensic group, including forensic chemistry, scene of crime operation, firearms identification, photography, polygraph, and fingerprint identification. Pathology is the science of the causes and effects of diseases, typically determined through lab tests of body tissues and fluids. A medical examiner can perform autopsies and is appointed. Medical legal personnel are tasked with providing medical evaluations and expert testimony in order to prove a case. On the other hand, a forensic pathologist specifically focuses on determining a cause of death by examining a corpse. What qualifications do you need to become a medical legal exactly? And at what point are forensic pathologists needed? Here's a little-known fact. Medical examiners, medical legal officers, and forensic pathologists are nowhere near being the same things. But the PNP has taken the stand that the lines are blurred as long as one is a medical doctor. Here's Supe again. Essentially, like if you want to go into the practice of medical legal, which is one of our uh, technical divisions, then you have to be a doctor, a licensed doctor already. For doctors, normally, the usual cases is gunshot, stabbing, physical injuries, sexual abuse cases. Any doctor can handle this. They just have to be trained to recognize. But when, in terms of when you have other causes of death, like hospital deaths, questionable deaths, then that's where we need to go and have samples of the tissues to find out exactly. So that's where you need a pathologist. The good thing about being a medical legal officer is we are at the end of the backstop. Like uh, normally when victims are referred to, they are being transported to a hospital or a health facility. And then once they die, that's when our turn comes in. So when they're alive, we don't handle them. So the doctors who handled her must have examined all that. It may not surprise you to know the forensic group is short on equipment and facilities. For a country of 7,107 islands, we only have three large-scale laboratories. One in Metro Manila, one in Metro Cebu, and one in Metro Davao. That means three mega-laboratories to serve the demand all around the country. 
including DNA, firearms identification, and fingerprints, among others. Manpower is also part of it, as Supe puts it. There isn't exactly a pipeline of forensic pathologists in the Philippines at the moment. Anywhere we go, actually, in the PNP, there's always a lack of manpower. We have a regular share of our quota in recruitment, and this is based on uh, what's allowed by the budget, of course, and National Police Commission, and uh, based on our needs. So it's a growing need in our society. While uh, admittedly, in the provinces where there are, there are no medical legal officers, but uh, in terms of the PNP's disposition in the field, we have uh, covered uh, at least the entire Philippines. In fact, there are just two forensic pathologists in the country right now, Drs. Raquel Fortun and Cecilia Lim. And Doc Fortun has said the industry still has a long way to go. Here's a snippet of her interview on the Super Evil podcast of The Inquirer and Puma podcast. We're actually doing very poorly. My general observation is we're late in developments regarding forensic science. I don't think we are even at par with our ASEAN neighbors. I can cite, for instance, places I've been to, like Japan, Australia, Singapore. Nakakaya tayo. Hong Kong also. Kasi mas organized yung kanilang mga police investigations. On the other hand, Supa is quick to point out that the forensic group has been certified by the International Standard Organization for over a decade now in terms of quality management. How much water does that hold, really? Since Hanson's death, a few more instances have come to light, calling into question the PNP's ability and integrity when it comes to reading the dead. In March of this year, volunteer LUMAD teacher Chad Book was killed in an encounter with personnel of the Philippine Army. The military in a press release tagged him as a communist rebel who opened fire first. But Dr. Fortune said that Chad's wounds showed, quote-unquote, an intent to kill. And just like the cases of Deseda and Hanson, the victim's family was quick to call for a probe independent of the medical legal. And so besides manpower, excessive red tape has also stood in the way of justice on more than one occasion. Yes, bureaucracy kills. And sometimes these things aren't by accident. Just listen to what Sally Hanson had to go through in the wake of her daughter's passing. Naitabiyata siya sa isang may COVID na cadaver, so hindi siya agad makuha. Kasi syempre, matatakot naman yung doctor na maggagawa ng autopsy kasi nga syempre na may na-exposed, kumbaga exposed to a positive, a COVID-positive cadaver. Plus yung paperwork. It was reported that her body was brought uh, Saturday 4 a.m. 4 a.m., yes. believe that things could be expedited if only um, decisions were made quickly. Parang, ano pa rin tayo sa usual na, okay, we go, we go with the protocol, we go with the... Mm-hmm. And kasi, nang, kasi nangyari sa probinsya, so mas mabago. Parang, uh, we know it could be, it could be mm-hmm. done better. Most recently, Dr. Fortune has launched her own probe into killings linked to the Duterte administration's flagship war on drugs. The forensic pathologist re-examined exhumed remains of drug war victims who were declared to have died of natural causes on their death certificates. And her findings were quite the opposite. What she saw in those remains were stories of murder. And yet the PNP's own case files did not reflect this. It's kind of impressive if you look at it because it's about quarter of an inch thick. But if you scrutinize what's in that case file, 
it doesn't say anything. There is a certification that the victim is a drug user. It's kind of meant to support the narrative that he was killed because of some relation with drugs. And then the bulk of that thickness is due to paperwork. Request for this, request for that, but there's nothing here about the result. So you see what kind of a police investigation file there is. Next. Doesn't explain anything. Next, please. Where do we go from here? The answer is, it's tough to say. According to a report by Rappler, even Police Colonel Joseph Palmero, who heads the PNP's Scene of Crime Operations Division, agrees that some death certificates were faked. But so far, the PNP forensic group remains unapologetic. All I can tell you is, from, on the forensic side, I can assure you is that during that time, our SOCO team responded immediately after the request. We were there. Our people were there. They have collected the evidence. But then again, like any other, there's certain things like the police cannot just freely do what they, when investigating cases, they have to cooperate with the family. So at the time, uh, delays are contributed to notifying the families, waiting for their nod, need their consent. So you cannot just be at liberty to do what you can without the consent of the family or their cooperation. I'm not saying that has been the cause of the delay, but uh, these are just the procedures that we find challenging also in the field. So can we ever trust the PNP's autopsies? Do we take their word, especially when it comes to so-called drug war victims? Here's Dr. Fortuna again. Because again, in the Philippines, it starts with consent. Imagine, ahanap ka ng party consenting to the investigation. Do the autopsy. Okay lang na i-embalm mo, pero hihingi ka ng permiso para i-forensic autopsy mo. That is not a system. So kung pigilan, halimbawa, ng mga pumatay ang investigasyon, tapos na. That's how you get away with murder. And so many people have been getting away with murder in the Philippines. It's happening a lot. And that was today's episode of Teka Teka Explains. Again, I'm Franco Luna. This episode was edited by Presh Capistrano and produced by Kat Ventura. If you like this episode, share it with a friend or two. If you're interested in hearing more from Dr. Raquel Fortun, listen to Super Evil, A Beautiful Place to Die. That's also on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, don't forget to follow Teka Teka and Puma Podcast wherever you listen. Thanks for listening. 